The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. So here it is, second down. It's another 40-yard attempt for Holgren. It's blocked again! The Hawkeyes did it again! And now there's no time on the clock! Iowa has won it! 17 to 16! And the ball goes beyond the line of scrimmage this time. No question about it, Tom Wormy. The Hawkeyes yet again, two times in a row, come up with a giant play from their front on defense, saving the game and possibly saving the season for the Hawkeyes. The emotions of both sidelines, the pageantry of Kinnick Stadium, the heartbreak of college football. Absolutely unbelievable. The Hawkeyes do it again. Hello Hawkeye fans, this is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from HawkeyesMike.com. The Iowa-Iowa State game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with Tom Wormy, Anthony Heron, and Elizabeth Moreau. A very nice job calling an extremely exciting college football game with one of the most bizarre endings you will ever witness. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. You'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts, Pat Hardy's opinions. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Kirk Ferentz and Paul Rhodes. And we'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference. We'll also preview the Iowa-Iowa State game. Also this week, we will feature legendary Iowa head coach Hayden Fry and former Iowa star and current NFL scout Silas McKinney. And during the course of the season, we hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. This is a 40-yard field goal. Holgren has connected twice from 39, once from 34 yards away. Blocked! Blocked by the Hawkeyes! One second left on the clock, 17-16. That's a moment right there that can swing and just shake the grounds of the Big Ten Conference either way. You know Norm Parker is just elated right now with the fact that one of his young defensive linemen is able to keep his ears pinned back and step up to make a blocked field goal to save any chances the Hawkeyes have of wanting to remain in the national rankings and keep their season on an upward arc as opposed to what could have happened if that field goal was made. By rule, it was a legal kicking play. The ball never crossed the line of scrimmage. It was recovered by the kicking team behind the line of scrimmage. The player was down, therefore the clock Stops. It will start on the snap. Second down. The Iowa Hawkeyes escaped last Saturday with a heart-pounding 17-16 win over a very good UNI Panthers team by blocking two field goal attempts in the last seven seconds of the game in one of the most bizarre endings ever witnessed in Kinnick Stadium history. Iowa struggled in many phases of this game while UNI played with intensity and showed at least on that day that it could play toe-to-toe with what is supposed to be one of the Big Ten's better teams. It's also apparent why UNI has picked to win the Missouri Valley Conference and be one of the top teams in the FCS. Ferentz coached teams have a history of improving as the season goes along, and more often than not, the opening games have not necessarily been indicators of how the teams finish. Let's hope that's the case this year, as there is clearly a lot of room for improvement, to say the least. Iowa played better in the second half, though, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Other bright spots were the play of tight end Tony Moyaki and the terrific job of punting by Ryan Donahue. 
Some have argued that you and I deserved to win this game, but they didn't. Maybe the most promising thing is that the Hawks pulled out a close win. Only the second game out of the last 11-1 decided by three points or less. When Iowa has had success under head coach Kirk Ferentz, the teams have been able to consistently win the close games. And the Hawks dropped out of the national rankings. Again, under Ferentz, Iowa always seems to be a little tougher playing with a chip on their shoulders. This game also marked the debut of Iowa's new field turf that looks great, and no one seemed to have any problems with footing throughout the game. Players seem to like the turf. That, too, is a big improvement over Iowa's old natural grass field. This was the 15th game in the series. Iowa now leads 14-1. It was the 71st win for Ferentz as Iowa head coach, who's in his 11th year. UNI's Mark Farley is coaching his ninth year as head man at UNI. He has won a whopping 72% of his games, but he's now 0-2 against the Hawks. Great story. Compelling and rich. Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with just a single application. To learn more, go to www.prefensbotanicals.com. Prefens is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa football team, the men's and women's basketball teams, and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. Iowa once again won the toss and elected to receive. Iowa has started on offense now in 103 of its last 118 contests. The Hawks scored a field goal, Daniel Murray 39 yards on its opening possession. Iowa last season scored on its first possession in 7 of 13 games, including 6 touchdowns. Northern Iowa did not score on its first possession. Iowa now has not allowed the opponent to score on its first drive in 14 consecutive games. Seeing their first career action for the Hawks last Saturday were redshirt freshmen Greg Castillo, Jeff Brinson, Adam Robinson, Jason White, and Jack Swanson, and true fresh Micah Hyde, Brandon Wager, and Keenan Davis. Iowa QB Ricky Stanzi, a junior, surpassed the 2,000 career passing yard mark by going 22 of 34 against UNI for 242 yards and one TD. In the second half, Stanzi really shined, completing 16 of 21 for 179 yards and the touchdown. Senior tight end Tony Moyaki, preseason candidate for the John Mackey Award, had a six-yard scoring reception in the fourth period. Moyaki ended the game in great fashion with a game and career high 10 receptions for 83 yards. On the defensive side of the ball, Brett Greenwood and Pat Anger led the Hawks with 12 tackles each. Key team statistics in the Iowa-UNI game. Iowa had 19 first downs compared to UNI's 18. Rushing yards, neither team sparkled really. The Hawks had 87, UNI 84. Passing yards, the Panthers led that category 270 to 242. Total offensive yards, pretty even really. UNI 354, the Hawks 329. Possession time ended up being pretty equal. 31-56 for UNI, 27-59 for Iowa. But the second quarter was completely dominated by the Panthers, where they held the ball for over 11 minutes to Iowa's 3 minutes 51 seconds. Third down conversions were a problem for the Hawks again in this game, as they were much of last season. The Hawks were only 3 of 12 on third downs, but in the red zone scoring chances, they were 2 of 2. Stancy to the 
zone. Mowiecki, touchdown! And we got to remember for Ricky Stanzi, he was a sophomore when he won the starting job last season. Now a junior. A lot of expectations on this Iowa offense. They were out of rhythm early in the football game, but now he's finding ways to get it to his weapons. And he's loving that completion right there to his big tight end, Tony Mowiecki. Time now to hear from the opposing head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa versus Iowa State. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the Iowa State game. Uh, you know, obviously this is a, a big game for both teams. Uh, we're excited about playing it, certainly, and uh, it's been a tough game. Uh, the last 10 years' uh, involvement with it, it's been a tough game each and every time out there. It's a, a tough rivalry, uh, and, and uh, anybody that's been up to Thames uh, knows it's a tough place to take a football team and play. And I learned that back in 1981. So uh, it's probably the same both ways. You know, wherever the uh, games played, it's a uh, always a crowd, lively environment. You know, Iowa State uh, has a very experienced football team coming back. Uh, you know, we've only seen one exposure of them this year with uh, uh, the North Dakota State ball game, and you know they got a lot of returning players. Uh, you know, an excellent coaching staff, and they, they played very, very well in their opener. So to us, they look like a uh, uh, a much improved team from a year ago, and uh, you know we, we know we're going to have our hands full. They're, they're a very good football team, a very veteran football team, led by a veteran quarterback, and uh, you know we're playing in a tough place. Ferentz talks about starting Adam Robinson at running back. At this point, we think he, he did the best Saturday, so you know we'll, we'll start him out. Uh, you know, it's his first time out on the game field, uh, so it's you know it was a good start for him. But all that being said, he's still a young player. Uh, and Pocky will will continue to play. I think you know he can uh, he'll he'll show better. And we'll, we'll we'll use both those guys and keep an open open mind to that entire position. It's not like we got a veteran guy back there right now. So uh, you know we'll keep both those guys working and uh, you know take a look at the at the younger guys as well. Kirk visits about how difficult it is for Iowa to prepare for a team when they've only seen one game with this new coaching staff. Yeah, the only way it could be worse. This could be our first game, and then it would be that much tougher. So you know we we got at least a you know, uh, a limited amount of plays to look at. And and certainly we've gone back through the uh, uh, history of their coaches and they've got an excellent staff and looked at uh, things that they've done. So uh, at least, you know, we're long than we would be a first game, but I'm sure we'll see some things this week that we didn't haven't seen uh, uh, in one game's time. Ferentz was asked about whether he agrees with the old adage that the biggest improvement in a team comes between their first and second games of the season. Yeah, you know, I think any, not anything, but most things in football are fixable or at least improvable, and uh, it's got to be our attitude. It is often said. It seems like it's said every year going into the second game. Come to think of it, but uh, yeah, and uh, she's a '99. Yeah, we had a lot of improvement to make then too. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's it is. You know, there's a reason those cliches are, are around because most of them are true, and I think that is true. And, uh, you know, we, we should be a better team Saturday. They'll, they'll be better too. You know, especially considering the fact that they've um, they've got a, a new staff. So I think you know you're going to see them really jump up another notch too. And Coach Ferentz talks about his approach to this rivalry game and whether that's changed in his tenure at the Hawks. Uh, yeah, I think the bottom line is you, you for any player or anybody who hasn't been associated with the game, they, they need to understand there is a, a different degree of intensity. Uh, you know, in this game and. Uh, it's just the way it's going to be. That's the way it has been, and uh, at least you know, going ten years back. So you know, 
from our camp, we better be well aware of that. We better be prepared for that. If we travel there, it's going to be really tough. Uh, you know, the crowd's going to be as, as I said, as lively as any crowd we're going to play in front of. So the degree of difficulty from that standpoint, and and then the other part about it is that you know it still gets down to playing the best football. And uh, I think for the most part in the last ten years, the, the the team that's played the best and performed the best that given day is the one that's won. I don't think there have been really any fluke wins in the whole thing. And uh, I think I'm pretty much correct in saying there's only been two games where it really, you know, kind of got got tipped out of balance. And uh, you know, our our game over there in 2003, we blocked a couple punts. Which isn't going to happen very often. And then 05, they they uh, uh, nailed us with a couple turnovers that really come. They end up jumping on us right away. So you know, if you make those kinds of mistakes, yeah, it's going to get away from you. Otherwise, it's probably going to be a game that goes right down to the you know fourth quarter. New Iowa State head coach Paul Rhodes was asked about the rivalry and how the Iowa Iowa State game ranks. It, it, it's it's right at the, at the very top, and I, I think probably because it's it's my home state, so so being a part of a, a rivalry is always special. But when you grow up as a part of it, where this week becomes uh, you know uh, cardinal and gold and black and gold, and you know everywhere, and, and whether you're in the grocery store or the at, at the uh, the water and trough, I mean you're you're, you're going to hear uh, about this game. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a. a, a uh, deciding vote on who they think is going to come through. So th- this this game is is special. It's a different kind of rivalry that it, that it's it's uh, uh, competitively friendly. I, I, I guess is a good way of, of putting it. Some of those others, I mean, there's there's hate involved in in those games, and and the spirit of the state is is shown in this game. Uh, people enjoy the game. They they know there's going to be a winner or a loser, but they but they move on after that. I think it's one one of the things that makes it such a great rivalry across the nation. Rhodes talks about the advantages of having eight days to prepare for the Hawks. Well, the, the first advantage is normally on a Sunday, we would have spent a, a bulk of our day, first of all, reviewing the game films of, of the game before and then putting that game to bed, so to speak, with our football team, uh, leaving very little time for preparation on the next opponent. Uh, whereas this Sunday, we were able to spend the entire day on the University of Iowa and, and beginning to formulate a game plan um, that that is uh, time that is that is uh, uh, to be taken advantage of, and, and, and I know our, our coaching staff is thus, uh, thus doing. Rhodes gives his thoughts on the Hawkeyes as a whole. Very physical. Um, the, the offensive line is is so cohesive. I mean, they're they're like a dance number out there. Uh, the, the footwork, the steps, and in, in executing the plays is so very sharp. They finish blocks as good as any uh, offense that, that you're going to see all season long. When I say finishing blocks, I'm talking receivers. I'm talking the O-line. They're going to stay on people in, in, until the whistle blows. Because of that, their running game will be effective. Um, Robinson is, is, uh, is a good player. Uh, I had a chance to view him coming out of high school when I was at Pitt and, and recruiting Jordan Bernstein and, and, and passing through there uh, down at Lincoln. So I know what he's capable of. Ricky Stanzi was also a guy I recruited when I was at Pitt. We offered him at Pitt and, and tried to get him to, to stay out there in that part of the country. Uh, so I know Ricky Stanzi and what he's capable of doing. Um, and, and the receiving core, I, you know, they, they got great athleticism. They're physical, which I already mentioned, and, and, and have an opportunity to be very productive in their passing game. Rhodes talks about the keys to slowing down Iowa's offense. I, I think we the the key in this game is is really no different, and 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 I don't don't say it to sound like a broken record. Um, we got to be where we're supposed to be. 
Um, we've got to be in the gaps. We, we can't get knocked out of there. We can't be slow. We can't have them get to a second level in, in their blocking scheme, which they do exceptionally well, and prohibit somebody from being where they're supposed to be. And then we've got to tackle. Um, being there is one thing, but you've got to finish it, and you've got to get ball carriers on the ground. By doing that, we'll, we'll, we'll eliminate big plays. By doing that, we'll, we'll make them earn it as they go up and down the field, and, and, and at some point in there, hopefully give us a chance to get a, a turnover or two, which uh, is still arguably the, the, the most determining stat in, in, in football. Rhodes talks about Iowa's defensive scheme versus what Iowa State will now try to do with its new spread offense. I don't know if Coach Parker will get out of it anyway, even if we try to move our guys around and create that. They are so very sound. They are not a complex defense. Coach Coach never has been. But just look at the numbers he's produced year after year after year, and that goes along with doing something well repeatedly. Um, they're they're going to line up in, in what they do. They fly to the football. They tackle very well. They're aggressive. Their four-man pass rush um, is outstanding. Um, they don't need to bring pressure because they get such good pressure with the guys that, that put their hand down on the ground. Um, they, will, they will create plenty of challenges for us uh, by just doing that. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. Welcome back, Marv Cook, for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. Well, a lot of Iowa fans seem shocked that the game was as close as it was, and many think you and I actually outplayed the Hawks. I was just wondering what your reaction to the game was and what you think fans should take away from it. You and I is a great football team. I mean, they, we should have known that for the last three or four years. they got a great program, and you know they're contending for the championship in their division. And, and you look across the board with teams like Richmond, you and I, I mean, these are top, probably top 30, 35 type teams. And Iowa's probably a top 20, 25 team, and 25th best team, the 35th best team play, they're probably going to be a pretty close game, and that's what it was. In terms of both coaches and players, does it usually take a game or two to really get up to game speed? It depends on the camp. It depends on the players, the experience the players have. You know, if, if guys are experienced coming back and used to playing at a high speed and high tempo, it, it doesn't take that long. But for the most part, the game was pretty clean as far as execution and penalties and things like that. So, you know, it was just it was a, just a good college football game. And, you know, I thought both teams at times played poorly, but both teams at times played really well. What are you most pleased about in Saturday's performance? And where do you think I will look the strongest? I think Stanzi settled in. I thought early he struggled a little bit and was overthrowing a lot of receivers, but then I thought he really settled in and did a nice job. Made some big-time throws when Iowa needed third-down conversions and, and to score points and stuff. So I thought he did a great job, you know, defensively facing a really strong UNI offense to, to hold them to the point total that they had was a pretty impressive job. And, you know, it's just uh, they found a way to win. That's the greatest thing is, is they could have easily folded the tent at different times, and you know, even at the end, they found a way to win the game. Conversely, where do you think Iowa looked the weakest on Saturday? I thought they struggled with their protections. I thought there was a, in the second quarter, I thought they got after Stanzi pretty good, and 
and did some things. And you know, I didn't think they they didn't obviously they didn't run the ball very effectively. I thought Robinson kind of gave him a good spark when he came in, a little change of pace. But you know, a lot of things they need to clean up, obviously. But I thought defensively we were pretty strong at times and, and, and shown signs that we you know can be a pretty good football team. I'm talking a little more about the running game. It seems like Iowa might be in trouble with O'Mara as the starter. Robinson's been named the starter for Iowa State. How do you see the situation at running back unfolding over the year? Well, I mean, I think the key, if you're, if you're signs of a good team is your depth at running back, and obviously we're going to need to show that this year with what we got. But, I mean, you know, I think Pocky O'Mara is a good, solid back, and, and at certain systems will be effective for us. And, you know, at other times, Robinson's going to be the spark plug. I think the ability to have both those guys ready to go is going to be good for us. So, obviously, it'd be nice to get a couple of other guys healthy. But, you know, it's it's good to have a little change of pace. You know, Pocky O'Mara's career is not done at Iowa. He'd still be effective running back for us. But, uh, you know, Robinson had the edge Saturday. He looked a little bit crisper, a little bit sharper. And, you know, that could easily change this coming week. It looks like we're going to have an abundance of weapons at the wide receiver position. Maybe the deepest Iowa has been in a long time. Can you talk about their play, about Marvin McNutt's debut, and maybe why DJK isn't getting as much playing time? Well, I think it's, you know, a lot of things play into that. It's route running, it's running the right uh, right depth, the, the discipline, the timing, all that stuff. But and just the ability to make a play. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Marvin McNutt, obviously making the transition from quarterback to receiver was uh, is a work in progress. I mean, there's gonna be great things that happen with it. There's gonna be some bad things that happen with it. But you know, I really just felt like, you know, Stansy did a good job of settling in and and then making some big time throws when we needed it. Make, they made some catches when we needed it. You know, obviously for me, the big the big game changer was Tony Milwaukee. I mean, there's what we've been expecting for the last four years since he's come on campus. And uh, that's the type of game that he has to have if we're going to be effective this season. Well, defense looked pretty good until it seemed to get gassed. How was you and I able to march on the field so easily on a couple of their series, especially towards the end there? Well, you and I is good. I mean, that's they, that's the style that they play. They spread that thing out, and uh, their quarterback made some unbelievable reads and some great throws. And uh, you know, I mean, that's that's the rub there at the end. It's prevent. You know, you're playing prevent. You can't give up a touchdown, and uh, they were able to make it. You know, 10, 15 yard increments there to get down for the last field goal but you know for the most part I thought you know they, they did a good job of holding a, a pretty potent offense intact that running back's pretty good I mean God forbid that you know we're lucky that they had what three or four players suspended last week I mean I think that was their third string running back I think you know can't imagine what the first and second string guys were like but, but that being the case I mean I thought you know defensively for the most part did a really good job of keeping them out of the end zone. Can you talk about the special teams play at all? And Donahue really looked terrific on Saturday. Yeah, the punting was huge at times. It looked like the wind was a factor at certain times in the game. And, and obviously, uh, changing the field position is, is huge for our defense, giving them the long field. And, and Donahue did a good job. You know, Murray was solid with his kickoffs and obviously missed the one field goal. You know, I think for the most part, that's going to be a, a definite strong suit for the Iowa team this year. Well, of course, it was Fry Fest this past weekend, yeah. Hayden Fry being honored. Um, can you tell us one or two of your favorite Coach Fry moments? Just, um, you know, just the, the, the first time of being able to meet him. And, and you know, uh, from the time I was a freshman in high school, I wanted to play for the University of Iowa, and then actually to have him, you know, visit with my mom about the opportunity to play football at Iowa, and then uh, to actually meet him was a great thrill. And, and you know, a couple times during the course of my career, you know, one time in Kinnick, we were practicing with the simulated crowd noise with the radio speakers blaring, and it was pretty annoying. It was pretty loud and annoying, and, and uh, we were, ex you know, playing the game, basically, with running plays in, and I made the comment that, you know, well, it was pretty loud and pretty bothersome. And he looked at me and said, don't worry about things you can't control, Marv. And I knew that was a great 
point, you know, especially in athletics or in life, just don't worry about the things you can't control, just worry about the things you can control. And, you know, for me, you know, he was a guy that gave me an opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream, and that was to play football at the University of Iowa. He gave that to me, and, and for that, I'll, ever, I'll be forever indebted to him. Well, moving on to next week, what do you expect to see in the Iowa State game? What are your keys to the game? And what's the number one thing fans should be looking for this week? Well, I, th I think you got to realize that you and I is a better football team than Iowa State right now. And, and Iowa State with the new coach, Coach Rhodes is going to do a great job. I think he's the right fit there and he, he's going to, but it's just going to take time. I mean, they got a completely new system offensively, defensively. They do have, they do have experienced players in key positions. Uh, Arnott's obviously an experienced quarterback and, and they've got talent, but they're just, it's a new system to them. They're, it's going to take them another four or five weeks to settle into that system. And, you know, I was going to have to go up there and deal with the wind. It's usually windy in Jack Trice Stadium. And, you know, control field position, not turn the ball over. And, but if they execute, they should, you know, I feel pretty confident that, you know, they'll be able to come out of there with a win. Do you have any other thoughts? No, it's just, I mean, it's a great time to be a Hawkeye, a great time to fall in Iowa City. There's nothing like it. And high school football is going on, college football, and now the NFL will be starting. Uh, great time of year. And, you know, I think the takeaway from Saturday is, is that, you know, everybody, talk shows and everybody and probably some of the listeners here will be thinking, well, what's wrong with Iowa? Well, nothing's wrong with Iowa. You and I is a good football team. I mean, they are truly a top 35 football team, in my opinion. And so that's kind of sets the parameters of where it's at. So Hawk fans, everything's fine. Iowa's going to be good. They're going to get better and better and better. And as long as they're peaking at the end of the season like they always do, we should be sitting pretty good. Uh, there's one more. Uh, at the press conference, some of the coaches were talking about, or they were alluding to, and you and I could be a middle-of-the-pack mm -hmm. team in the Big Ten. Do you agree with that? I do 100%. I mean, I, I think, I've said this, if you lined up our two rosters and you put them in a hat, you put every name in a hat, and you start drawing teams, you could easily make a case that it, the first 25 would be equal. They'd go 25 and 25 between Iowa and you and I. The difference is the depth. The difference is Iowa's going to probably have the next you know, 25 to 50 guys, Iowa will be a little bit stronger, a little bit deeper in those positions. But, you know, across the board, their quarterback, their running back, their left tackle, their, you know, I mean, their, their core group of guys are every bit as good as our core group of guys. And you can say the case that they're every bit as good as the Northwestern, Indiana, uh, you know, some of these other teams that are fighting for that third, fourth, fifth, sixth spot in Big Ten. Going into week two of the 2009 season, Big Ten teams are coming off a 10-1 record. It's the fifth consecutive season the Big Ten teams have produced a non-conference week with at least 10 victories. The second weekend of non-conference action will be tougher, though, featuring seven opponents that appeared in bowl games last year and four that received votes in the preseason polls. One of the highlights last weekend was Iowa's blocking of two different field goal attempts on consecutive plays. In doing so, the Hawks became the first team in NCAA history to block field goals on back-to-back -back plays and just the fourth school to block two field goals in the same quarter. This Saturday, Minnesota debuts its new on-campus stadium, marking the first time since 1981 the Gophers games have been played on campus. TCF Bank Stadium is the first Big Ten stadium built in nearly 50 years. The Penn State and Indiana stadiums were both constructed in 1960. This weekend will also feature the first trophy game of 2009. Again, it's Iowa playing Iowa State for the Cy Hawk Trophy. The Big Ten has 15 traditional trophy games. 
Jeremiah Hunter was named co-special teams Big Ten Player of the Week for his block of UNI's second field goal attempt at the end of Saturday's game to preserve Iowa's victory. The stage will be a little bigger this Saturday. In addition to Iowa-Iowa State, key games will feature number 8 Ohio State hosting number 3 USC Saturday night on ESPN, and Michigan hosts number 18 ranked Notre Dame in a nationally televised afternoon game. Although it's probably safe to assume that, as usual, Notre Dame is overranked. Also of note, swine flu has begun to impact the college football season, as many have feared. Wisconsin has been hit this week, as has Washington State and Mississippi. It remains to be seen how much that might impact this weekend's games. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. We welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Sean Patchett talks with Pat about the UNI game and the upcoming Iowa State game. A narrow escape for the Hawks on Saturday, an unbelievable ending. What are your overall impressions? Oh, I was, I, I guess to be honest with you, I was a little disappointed in the way Iowa came out. It kind of reminded me of an Iowa State game where the other team just seemed so much more intense and so much more focused and so much more energized. And I just was surprised that the game was that competitive from a physical standpoint. I know you and I is really good, but maybe I need to start accepting the fact that, that the division, the what, football championship division that they can beat them, maybe that has narrowed the gap a little bit because of the 85 scholarship limitation, but I still, Iowa just had a lot of breakdowns, just looked flat, and they just, like I said, it just reminded me of an Iowa State game. Is it reasonable to argue that this was a typical first game, Iowa played that way, or is you and I potentially that good, or would you say it's a combination? I think it's a lot of things. I think you and I's good, but I don't know if you and I's any better than Northern Illinois or what have you. I mean, it is a different division. You and I's gonna go and play a lot different competition the rest of the year, and you and I didn't, I mean, they didn't even get to the nat, they didn't even get to the championship game of their division last year. I mean, they are a good team, but they're, I think their status has been sort of heightened a little bit by what happened. I think Iowa fans are looking for reasons why this game was competitive. I think this game was competitive right now because Iowa's not near as good a football team as we once, as we, as many assume they were going to be. They're not a top 25 team right now, and I think that was just exposed on Saturday in a number of ways. Some are saying that this was one of the poor performances by Iowa's coaching staff, perhaps a failure to rotate the D-line, which looked gassed, especially in the fourth quarter. Conservative offensive play, calling in the first half, and the team looked a little flat, especially compared to the way you and I came out of the gate. What, what's your assessment? Well, I think we should get used to them looking flat. I mean, Kirk Ferentz's teams do seem flat in September. They just start poorly. He always says they're a work in progress this time of year, and I think Saturday's game showed that. Now, as far as rotating the defensive linemen, I know Mike Daniels played a little bit, but I think what it is is I don't think they have enough faith in their backup defensive linemen right now. I think they'd rather have their starters tired than their backups playing. I just think, and like a lot of people are wondering why Jeff Brinson and Brandon Weger haven't played. I got to trust the coaches. The reason they haven't played is because they're not ready to play yet. I know a lot of people think that Brandon Weger is the second coming, but Brandon Weger played class 3A football in Iowa. And that's a big difference. And I think these fans that just assume that he's going to be the next Tim Dwight or Tavian Banks, that's a big jump. And right now you just got to trust the Iowa coaches that the best people are playing. Brinson's been hurt a little bit, Jeff Brinson. I would like to maybe see them try to implement them in the game plan a little bit, but I think it was just a combination of things. And like it said, I do think Iowa came out flat. To me, 
that's the biggest mystery why these coaches can't seem to motivate these guys early in the year. Well, maybe a little early to call on Mr. Optimist and Mr. Pessimist, but looking at both sides of the coin, what looked best to you, and conversely, what was most troubling? Mr. Optimist, Amari Spavay's play at cornerback, and Ryan Dunning, who was a punter, he's as good as any punter in the country. I thought Jeremiah Hunter had a pretty good game, too, as a linebacker, and I thought Stanzi in the second half played good, but the problem is he always, it's like he's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He, as good as he was in the second half, he was just as bad in the first half, but to me, Spavay, and Jeremiah Hunter and Ryan Donahue, the punter, were the three guys that stood out. And I, Adam Robinson, at times, I thought, played okay. Once He's just got to be more patient, wait for those holes to develop. That was one thing with Sean Green that gets overlooked. Sean was very patient. He knew he had great vision, and he knew how to wait for the holes to develop. But as far as pessimists, I mean, where do you want me to start? I mean, I thought the offensive line looked horrible at times. The defensive line did not get much of a pass rush. I thought the linebackers were just getting smoked on a lot of short pass plays, and I thought Carlos Anderson, if I had a dollar for every guy he made miss tackles, I wouldn't have to keep working. I mean, he just was by far the most elusive runner. That's what probably concerned me the most with Packy starting at running back, Packy O'Mara starting at running back. It makes me wonder just about their talent and depth at running back. If he's the best right now, it can't just all be because he knows the system and he's been there longer. And let's face it, he looked slow. I mean, he looked really slow. There's a reason he was a walk-on. There's a reason nobody else recruited him. But my question is, how can he be the best running back at this program right now? I mean, Jewel, that's a big loss. I admit losing Jewel was a big loss, but I still think Packy would have played some. I just, the, the situation at running back to me is pretty alarming because I'm not sure. I think last year's team was so successful because Sean Green was a freak. And now this year, they've got this great offensive line. But I mean, you've got to have a good runner too. You've written a column this week about Adam Robinson getting the start at running back. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, just well, I mean, he was more explosive than Packy. He actually made something happen, and more importantly, he didn't fumble. Packy pretty much sealed his fate when he fumbled on the, his first carry of the second half. They're just not going to deal with turnovers at any stage of the season, but especially now for a guy trying to win a position. So I think Adam Robinson showed a burst, and I think as the second half progressed, he kind of figured out this lone blocking scheme. You've got to be patient. He missed his lane a couple times in the first half but I think in the second half he got better and he ran for almost 50 yards in that second half but he's gonna have to show it again this Saturday and he's gonna have to protect the football that's the thing that's hurt Iowa over there in Ames at times is turnovers and what have you and in, in a series as close as this series is turnovers often decide the outcome. One bright spot was a pretty incredible performance by Tony Maki. I forgot about Tony Moriaki. Yeah, yes. all the receivers. Can you talk about them? Yeah, Tony Moriaki. I mean, I wouldn't say all the receivers. I thought the receivers were okay. Tony Moriaki was just what we thought he would be when he came out of high school, just what we thought he would be when we saw him do that against Syracuse, if he could just stay healthy. The only concern I have with Tony catching 10 passes, it seems like Rick becomes a little too dependent on him, and there were times where Ricky forced it into Tony when he was triple covered. The other receivers, I was just surprised they couldn't get downfield more. I mean, I cannot, they just did not have many plays where they'd stretch the defense. And obviously the Darrell Johnson Culianos mystery continues to baffle us all. I mean, he's obviously in the doghouse, but I still say he's their most explosive receiver. And I guess if you're trying to send him a message, I don't know why the message all of a sudden was canceled there for a couple series in the fourth quarter when they needed a first down. It just seems like it defeats the purpose to sit the guy on the bench and then boom, when you need him in there for something, he comes in and plays and then you take him right back out. Moyaki was, I would put Moyaki, Ryan Donahue, Jeremiah Hunter, the four guys that really, oh, Spavay. Those four guys stood out. Tony Moyaki did just what I thought he would do. Stanzi's mixed bag of an issue with inconsistent, if not poor offensive line performance. I don't want to blame it all on the offensive line. The offensive line wasn't forcing him to throw the balls into triple coverage. 
And he did get sacked on that play where he fumbled, but a lot of quarterbacks get sacked without fumbling the ball. Stanzi, sometimes he has a tendency to just collapse like a deck of cards in the pocket. I thought that was gonna be maybe not so much of an issue this year because he's about 20 pounds heavier, but he still has a lot of issues in the pocket. His pocket presence to me leaves a lot to be desired still, and he still forces receivers. And I'm beginning to wonder if this is just who he is. I mean, just, I mean, he's a good, he's an okay quarterback, but right now we need to see if he can take that next jump to the next level, and we didn't see it Saturday, but I'm beginning to wonder if just inconsistency is just part of who he is. Iowa looked like it had uh, split personalities on defense. Very good for stretches, then gassed and not so good, especially against UNI's multiple offensive formations. How much of that was due to a lack of substitution and the appearance that Norm Parker may not have as much faith in his backups at this point? Well, he must not have faith in his backups for a reason, which means they're not as good as the guys playing. I just think that UNI looked quicker. Their running back, Iowa couldn't contain their running back in space. He he juked A.J. Eads a couple times. I mean, he just, Carlos Anderson, he made a bunch of guys miss. And I thought the Iowa secondary did what it always does, other than Spave. It played not to lose. It gave so much cushion. Granted, you had a Fred shirt freshman start in his first game, and you and I exposed that. They took advantage of Greg Castillo's inexperience, but what really disappointed me was the Iowa safeties. I just thought they were, I didn't think they played well at all. I just, I'm still, to me, the jury's out on the Iowa safeties, especially Brett Greenwood. I thought he seemed to step slow on most of the pass coverage, and you and I basically threw for almost 300 yards and made it look easy. I think the drive that really disappointed me the most was that last drive of the game. The defense had every reason to put a stop there, and they couldn't do it. And to me, Iowa State's going to expose that too. Right now, to me, the biggest weakness of this Iowa defense is its pass defense, even though they have three starters back in the secondary and a potential All-American at cornerback. You wrote a long story this week about Hayden Fry prior to all the Fry Fest activities. Anything stand out for you in your conversation with him or what you saw and heard when he was in town? He's just typical Hayden, telling the same old jokes and same old stories over and over and over. I just thought it was great that they finally did this and I'm just so thankful that his health is good right now to where he could come here and really enjoy this. My guess is by the time it was over, he was tired and ready to go back to Nevada. I mean, they, they ran him all over the place, but I think what it shows with Hayden and then with Kirk is they've had two football coaches here in the last three decades. To me, that says something incredible in this day and age where people are so impulsive and ready to get rid of people and what have you. It just shows that both guys have done it. I think what Hayden, when you see Hayden, you just see the stability that he brought here and you also see, you also remember how he marketed this program and he basically did what a lot of people, when Hayden took over here, a lot of people were convinced that Iowa couldn't win with platoon, two platoon football. Evashevsky was great here, but that's when guys went both ways. You didn't have to recruit near as many players. Fry proved all those theories wrong. He showed that you can do it. He had some down years and whatever, but for the most part, for 20 years of success, I think it just kind of shows Fry now to me is the standard that everyone strives for. Ference has reached it to a certain point, but now he's got to sustain it. He's just now starting that second decade. You know, Fry was here for, for 20 years. Kirk's just now starting that second decade, so we'll see what he does. Turning to the Iowa State game, what do you expect to see next week uh, with both teams? I see Iowa State spreading, using their spread offense, and I see Austin on odd completing probably 25 passes and probably none of them longer than 10 or 15 yards. I see him probably throwing for 250 to 300 yards just on a bunch of dink short passes. And I see them doing a lot of damage after the run with their receivers, because I would give Iowa State the edge at quarterback, receiver, and running back. Those three spots. I'd say defensive backfield's probably a draw. I think Iowa has the edge everywhere else. But at home, the, the tradition that Iowa State has of beating Iowa at home, I don't think the player, the, the intimidation factor is a joke now. That's not, that's not a factor anymore. I just see them dinking the ball all over the place and kind of doing what Purdue did to Iowa back with the Drew Breeses and what have you. 
Granted, I don't think the offense will be as smooth, but I think I think Iowa's going to have to score at least three touchdowns to win this game. I see Iowa coming out, trying to run the ball, and if they can't run the ball early and they get behind, then I see they're going to be in real trouble because I just don't think this offense right now is set up to play catch-up football. Ferentz has been asked on a number of occasions about whether he agrees that most improvement in a season always comes between the first two games. What do you think about that? Well, I used to believe that until last year. I mean, I think Iowa's most improvement came, what, between games six and seven. I mean, they were three and three. And I just, with Iowa, I, I think they destroy that theory because they just don't play well in September. I mean, just they just have never played well. Arizona State game, that was in September. The losses to, the losses to Iowa State, Ferentz is four and six against Iowa State. Those losses have all been in September other than the one in 2001. I just think that for some reason, they just, they're a work in progress and they start slowly, and I just really can't put a finger on it. We always seem to have questions about the amount of emphasis Iowa puts on this game compared to Iowa State. Kirk seemed to go out of his way this week to talk about the rivalry and the importance of this game. I think that's still the Hayden Fry hangover. Hayden Fry used to always say that Iowa State put way too much emphasis on the game, and it was easy for Fry to say that stuff when he was winning 15 games in a row. I don't think Iowa State puts any more emphasis on this game. I just think that Iowa fans need an explanation for why a team that's perceived to be better almost every year can't dominate this series, and to me, that's the theory that they've kind of cling to. What are your keys to the game and what's your prediction? My keys to the game are that Iowa needs to be able to establish its running game really early so then they can do play action with Ricky. If they can't do play action, I think it's going to be a long day. I know the bend and don't break philosophy is going to be very apparent on Saturday. They're just going to have to not fall behind early. And right now, I've got Iowa State winning a close game, 20-17. to 17. That's my gut feeling right now. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that. But I just, I mean, look at 05, look at 07, look at 05 coming off a 10-4, and 10-2 season. Drew Tate, the reigning Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Iowa State was very mediocre that year, and they killed them. So, yeah, right now I've got Iowa State winning 20-17. to 17. Any other thoughts? I hope I'm wrong. Second and four. The football sitting on the 11-yard line of Northern Iowa with a 13-3 lead. Hawkeyes threatening. Robinson, touchdown Iowa. Quintessential Iowa Hawkeye offense. A few quick reads for the quarterback and not come with the run game. And look at the black shirts moving people out of the hole. Adam Robinson, the redshirt freshman, takes it 11 yards to the house in the first trip to the red zone. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Hayden Fry was back in Iowa City last week as part of Fry Fest. Fry visited with the media before the game. Hayden talks about the Iowa-Iowa State Series and recruiting at Iowa. You know, uh, I had a good friend named Duffy Daugherty who coached at Michigan State for years. Great guy, great coach. And he, he, I called him to ask him about Iowa because he'd been playing them in the Big Ten. And he said, uh, Coach, he said, the most important thing I can tell you is that if you're going to do well recruiting, the first thing you got to do is dominate your state. In other words, you've got to beat Iowa State, Northern Iowa, other people in the state, or you'll never be able to recruit the top players. And so, yeah, we put an emphasis. We, we got our hair parted a few times early because Iowa State had a real good program. Donnie Duncan and that bunch over there and uh, had a bunch of great assistant coaches that became head coaches. 
but then once we got it going, I think we won 15 straight. Duffy Doherty gave me that information about recruiting, and uh, but I didn't realize how difficult it was to recruit nationwide to get players to, to come here, particularly I had to be careful. I'd, I'd, I'd look at long-range weather report. I'd call even Chicago to find out about the weather because I didn't want to bring in kids from Texas or different places and we have 10 inches of snow on the ground. I lived here 25 years and I've been in uh, Nevada for 10 or 11 now and my rump hadn't thawed out yet. Fry was asked about today's spread offenses much like Iowa State runs. Well, they're real late. That's one of the reasons we turned the program around so quick at Iowa. We were the first ones to you know, the first play, my team lined up, we were playing Indiana in the first game ever, and nobody in the backfield except the quarterback and Kinnick Stadium, they all stood up and started clapping before we even snapped the ball because they'd been in the wing tee all those years. We had a great advantage because they didn't know how to defend against us to start with, and now then everyone does it. But I did it out of necessity. It's like standing up, to, my tight end is always standing up, you know why? Because I usually just had one, and if he got a hair lip, he couldn't get a date after the game, and he's mad at me. Hayden talks about Fry Fest, and especially the naming of a street after him. This is a real tribute to all of the coaches, and the players, and the fans over the 20 years I was here. Because we had so many great games, and, and changing a loser to a winner, uh, it's a tribute to them. I'm sure a lot of the visiting teams, when they come in, they're going to appreciate it more than anyone, because there's a lot of folks out there that we played against would love to drive over Hayden Fry. Former Iowa star from the 1960s and current NFL scout for the Detroit Lions, Silas McKinney was in the press box for the UNI game. Hawkeyes Mike had the chance to visit with McKinney about his impressions of the Hawks. Uh, well, I, actually, I, I, I thought that let's, let's give uh, UNI uh, the credit that they deserve because uh, I thought they looked like they were closer to midseason, and uh, that makes sense, that makes sense for them. That, that's a huge game for them. Not that it's not for Iowa, but it's a huge game for them. And I thought that Iowa was uh, a little, you know, they, they looked like the first game uh, from a timing standpoint and those type of things. I, I think the other thing to take into consideration, I think they were missing some offensive linemen, and they're going to do some things and moving people to different spots. So they'll clean that part of it up. I thought that the quarterback and the receivers, and the receivers, that, that's a young group. You know, they have talent. I don't remember the kid's name, but number seven, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been his first game, that receiver. Uh, so they, they have some work to do there, and they'll, they'll get that done. But I, I just think that they look like they were in their first game, and Northern Iowa look like they, made, they, they were sort of in midseason form. Silas, what's your impression of Tony Moyaki? He had a pretty good game Saturday. Do you think he'll be able to play in the pros? You know, he's a smooth athlete. The thing about him as a tight end is that most of the time in our league, what we're getting now is tight ends that they are either blockers or they're receivers. And it's rare that you get the combination. Uh, you know, in Detroit, we happen to get uh, a guy in the draft, Pettigrew, who is both a blocker and uh, and a receiver. He's a, he's a complete tight end. And there are some in the league, but for the most part, a lot of those uh, six five and six six guys that used to play football, uh, most of those guys are trying. Uh, they're not tight ends anymore. They're uh, small uh, power forwards at small schools and that type of thing in basketball. So, so we're losing that element. But this, getting back to your original question, this guy's a smooth athlete, 
and he is a complete tight end, uh, a little bit undersized, but he has good strength and good toughness, and, and, he, and he has, he's a good technician. For his size, I think he does an excellent job of inline blocking uh, and does a good job downfield of uh, getting on the, on the defender and getting a good fit and hanging on. Exceptional hands. Really, really soft, comfortable hands with the ability to adjust to offline throws. He has good play speed. He's not an explosive kid like uh, Dallas Clark, but yeah, he'll play in the league. He'll, he'll be a, 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 I think he'll be a very effective player at the next level. Uh, he just needs to take care of his business at the level that he's at right now. Given the old adage that teams improve the most between their first and second games, what can Iowa fans reasonably expect in terms of improvement this week against Iowa State in Ames? They certainly have some, some areas to work on, and not that they didn't, didn't expect to have those areas to work on, because, they're, again, they're young at some spots. If you look at their defense, I think that defense is going to be pretty good. They have, if I'm not mistaken, all of their defensive linemen, for the most part, are underclassmen, so they'll get better as the season goes along. I thought the linebackers did a good job. Secondary guys will be fine, but again, you know, it, it all starts up front. Once they get, you know, those guys get a little more seasoning, then it'll make a difference for the back end of the defense. Offensively, I just think that, again, number 60, he didn't play, uh, and I think that makes a difference. So they might, have, they might do some moving, uh, you know, along that offensive line. But again, those, those guys, you have number 78, who uh, he didn't play last year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's his first game back. So a lot of these guys, they, they just don't have, uh, they don't have any skins on the wall, so to speak. So they're, they're, they have to earn them on the way, on, on, you know, this season. So I think they'll, they'll come together. I was impressed with the running backs. You know, those guys run hard. They have good quickness, good toughness. Now, again, the quarterback and the receivers, they'll, they'll, get, they'll work better together. And I thought their timing was off a little bit, and that happens. It's obviously early in the season, but have you seen enough yet to have a sense of what's reasonable in terms of expectations for this team? I think it's, I, I think it's early, but when you, when you watch... They do have some nice pieces, and I mean that—that's the thing. I—I I, don't—I don't see a glaring hole anywhere. You know, you lost Sean Green, and you thought that that would be an issue, but you know, they, these guys—you know—it might be by committee, but these guys did a good job uh, this, you know, last week, and uh, and and they'll get better. Again, they'll get better because the offensive line will get better. You know, the quarterback—he's—you know—he's this is his second year starting, I guess, and and uh, he'll be fine. You know, he'll be fine. Uh, the quarterback and the receivers, they'll get on the same page. I look for them to do well. I look for them to continue to improve. Um, I'm not as familiar as, as I have been in the past with the, the uh, Big Ten from top to bottom because I was working out, out west last year. But uh, hey, I, I'm, well, I like my Hawkeyes. <laughs> Just a reminder that you can be a part of the next show by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. That broadcast school has really paid off. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by 
Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Iowa travels to Iowa State this Saturday in the annual in-state rivalry game where the winner takes away the Cyhawk Trophy. While Iowa hung on to beat UNI last Saturday, Iowa State handled North Dakota State in its opener on Thursday night last week, which also means the Cyclones have had a full eight days to prepare for the Hawks. This will be the 57th game in this series, which Iowa now leads 37-19. The Hawks have won four of the last six, but the Cyclones have come out on top in four of the last five played at Jack Trice Stadium. This will also be the first game in this rivalry for our new head coach at Iowa State, Paul Rhodes, although he was on the sidelines for five seasons as an assistant under Dan McCarney. Iowa gets some stability and experience back in its offensive line with the return of Kyle Calloway from suspension and Julian Vanderveld from injury, and that could be very important. Redshirt freshman Adam Robinson gets his first start at running back for the Hawks. He showed flashes in the second half against UNI, and interestingly enough, he also becomes the first Des Moines native to start at that position for Iowa in four decades. These games are always hard to predict, regardless of the team's records. Home teams have tended to dominate in recent years. Neither team has scored a touchdown in the first half in the last two meetings, and it seems like these games often come down to special teams play. Iowa State has installed a new wide-open spread offense, typically using four or five wide receivers. And as Hawk fans well know, especially without a consistent pass rush up front, these offenses often cause fits for Iowa's defense. One interesting fact, the two defensive coordinators in this game, Iowa's Norm Parker and Iowa State's Wally Burnham, are the oldest defensive coordinators in their respective conferences, and they both are pretty much old school. I really don't have a prediction for this game. I do expect to see substantial improvement for Iowa. Whether it's enough to win, I just don't know. You can expect the Cyclones to show considerable improvement as well. Oddly enough, I think the outcome of this game may hinge on Norm Parker's substitution patterns throughout the game. He probably needs to substitute liberally from early on until the finish. Otherwise, as we saw in the UNI game where he did not substitute very much, the Iowa defense may very well be gassed late and likely vulnerable to Iowa State's wide-open attack. That's my key to the game. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. What a finish here at Niall Kinnick Stadium. Unbelievable as the Hawkeyes win it. 17 to 16, they block two field goal attempts in the final seconds of the game. They are winners, 17 to 16. Unbelievable, Anthony. Tom, I cannot imagine what's going on in these coaches' heads right now, but the Hawkeyes come out with a victory and an opportunity to keep their season going. Our thanks once again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights. Once again, another nice job of capturing the excitement at Kinnick for one of the strangest endings you will ever see. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy. This week's special thanks also go to Hayden Fry and Silas McKinney. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time on HawkeyesMike.com, for Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.